Well, the past few weeks we've been talking about a lot of struggles that people have been having throughout their lives, especially things ramped up in the COVID-19 past year and a half. We're talking about anxiety, loneliness, today depression, a lot of things that aren't normally preached about, I think, or, or talked about too much, maybe because it's kind of awkward, maybe because it's uh, things that are difficult that we deal with ourselves, but there's a lot of people who struggle with depression, suicide, uh, bipolar, PTSD, postpartum depression, and many more things in that mental health area. In fact, uh, the United States, depression affects over 18 million adults a year. That's one out of every 10 Adults in any given year. It's a leading cause of disability for ages 15 to 44. It's the primary reason why someone dies of suicide about every 12 minutes. About 41,000 people a year. And why the CDC states that 20% of Americans will experience a mental illness in a given year. And according to a study done last fall, I know we're a little bit removed from that, but last fall, COVID-19 tripled the rate of depression in the U.S. among adults, in all demographic groups, especially in those with financial worries. So it's something that we need to talk about and find some hope in. That's why our first thought, if you have your bulletin, you want to write this down, is that depression can be debilitating. If you've never experienced depression or another mental health issue, it's difficult to understand, um, but you don't got to get it to get it. It's like with your wife, right? You don't got to get it to get it. You don't have to understand everything about your spouse or the way people deal with stuff or, or respond to stuff. You just have to understand that they do. And we don't have to understand all the ins and outs of depression or, or there's a lot of different causes, but we just have to understand that so many people deal with this and it can be completely debilitating to people who do deal with this. Now, when we talk about depression... Uh, some liken it to sadness. Okay, so somebody's sad for a long time. But but depression and sadness, there's a large gap in between. And so a lot of times, uh, you know, there's a lot of human natural emotions. People get sad. I get sad uh, over health issues, over the economy or, or the way the world is going, over the virus pandemic, over uh, the loss of a loved one. We grieve and we cry and we're sad for a time. And then we kind of move on and we can uh, try to heal as much as possible in that and then we can experience happiness and joy again but depression isn't just being sad it's uh, a, it's way beyond temporary sadness we can see some people in the bible they experience what has been called the dark night of the soul some of you have experienced or are currently experiencing that from their uh, the writings of the scriptures we see things like psalm 43 the, the psalmist writes, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Anybody been there? Why so disturbed within me, my soul? Job says these words, I hate my life, and I don't want to go on living. Oh, leave me alone for my few remaining days. Some of you have been there. If you want to turn with me to First Kings, I'm just going to read it real quick, but... Uh, a lot of these are in your notes. I'm going to kind of buzz through some of these uh, verses today, but you can look back at them this week and get encouragement and hope. See, you're, you're not the only one who struggles with this, and there is hope and there is healing to be offered. First uh, Kings 19. Elijah was so depressed that this happened. Uh, verse 3. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. 
He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Elijah prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. I don't want to say that Elijah was contemplating suicide, but he was done with his life, and he was asking God to take his life from him, sort of a forced death, suicide type situation. Please know that Christians can absolutely experience depression or other mental health issues, and it's not an issue of, you just don't have enough faith. Some well-meaning Christians might say, you just need more faith to, not, uh, to get over your depression. But it's not that simple. And so what, what I want to do today is I want to, to have, uh, hopefully have us grow in compassion, uh, grow in understanding for this issue, know that other people wrestle with this issue, know that you might at times in your life wrestle with mental health issues and to be able to recognize signs of mental health um, needing help with, like sadness, irritability, fatigue, changes in sleeping or eating patterns, difficulty concentrating, loss of interest and enthusiasm for things which used to provide pleasure, feelings of deep unwarranted guilt, withdrawal from others, difficulty sleeping, a drastic change in appetite, Headaches or body aches, feelings of worthlessness, constant thoughts about death or even suicidal thoughts or actions. If you ever struggle with these issues or know somebody who does, this could very well be uh, part of uh, the, the big umbrella of depression. An anonymous quote states, What is depression like? If you ever want to know what it's like, you don't deal with it. They said it's like drowning except you can see everyone around you breathing. I thought that was pretty powerful. It's like drowning, but you can see everybody around you breathing. The good news from Psalm 34 is that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. If you ever deal with difficulties in your life, like we've been talking about the past few weeks, never ever forget that God and Jesus are with you in your struggles alongside you. You are not alone in it. I hope and pray that you know that God's with you and that um, you're encouraged this week by hearing from our special guests, Jim and Linda. Take it away, Judy. Maybe state your names for the record. You get a picture this way and a picture that way. (laughs) I'm Linda Siegel. And I'm Jim Siegel. I had dealt with what most people consider depression, you know, like anybody does. Loss of somebody, that kind of thing. And then it's over with. Mine hit the worst when my dad died. Wasn't able to say goodbye. I was in Sydney picking the boss up from work. And when we got home, there was a message on the answering machine. Yes, kids, that's prior to voicemail or text messages. Um, that your dad's up here in the hospital and he's had a spell. Well, when that was said, I kind of knew there was something really wrong. And we found out that he had a ruptured aortic aneurysm, 
So basically by the time they got him loaded into the ambulance and partially to the hospital, he was gone. And that's where mine started to really manifest. But what happened was not only was it depression, it became bipolar. I was predestined for it anyway. I had, you know, all the genetic makeup to become bipolar. Sometimes it just takes the right trigger to set it off. And that's what happened. And my lowest lows, I don't know if she knows it a lot. Maybe she does some. I would cut. I do have some small scars on my arms where I use a thing you'd use like to clean your fingernails out. Yeah. And I'd use that. And I'd scrape my skin until I'd cut it. Uh, my biggest time was I was going to take a walk. And she says, where are you going? I'm not going down Main Street. You just going down there? Well, yeah, kind of. Well, what you going to do? Walk out in front of a truck. She said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. Stopping. She did. And within the hour, we were on our way up to Detmer. And that's when I found out about the bipolar. It's been a rocky road dealing with that. As of right now, I can say with the one medication that I'm on for depression, we've pretty much hit a home run. It works very well. For mania, I don't take anything for mania, primarily because when you take something for mania, it dopes you up. And I don't like that feeling. I know that feeling all too well. You know, from drinking for many years. And that's just not a feeling I enjoy anymore. I don't need that high in a way to bring me low. And often what it would do too is it would put me into a much deeper depression. So now I've learned to detect pretty much when mania is going to hit. And I can back off. Sometimes I don't because it just, boom, there it is. And it can be anywhere from where I'm just fidgeting, fidgeting, or I could be bouncing off walls, or if there is, here's a funny thing about being bipolar one, you can have the mania and depression at the same time. Uh, H-E double hockey sticks. Because not only do, do I feel it, but it gets manifested into others around me. And there are times I get very angry. Mean. Really mean. Really mean. Not to the point where I am going to physically hurt somebody. Although sometimes I would like to. I duck anyway. No present, no, present <laughs> company not included. Um, but when the mixture is there, it's confusing. And that is the time when my depression becomes really deep. And I just need to get out of the situation. Go someplace, be alone. Just leave me alone.
And sometimes I'm very boisterous with that. I'm just leave me the alone. And it may, you know, that part of it may last for a few hours. The mania, I've had it last for maybe eight or ten hours or four or five days. And that's when it really gets crazy. Because I can't sleep. I can't nap. That's it. I just can't nap. So, you know, I might close my eyes and 15 minutes later I'm up and boy, I'm rearing to go again. And it's just go, 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 go. When COVID hit, my go-to place I wasn't able to go to. Walmart. Because I'd go to Walmart and I'd just walk around for a couple hours. Because if I could wear my body out, my brain would have to start thinking about rest for my body. And that would help to take me out of it. In the depressive state of bipolar, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Because it's, it's not a fun situation. And I don't dare, if I miss one dose, that's not going to hurt. If I miss several doses, look out. Because I'm hitting bottom again. And it's not that I want to go back to old ways. There were times I've wanted to. Just go out, buy some booze, and go sit in the car and just chug a lug. But I haven't done it. Even in the worst of it, I didn't do it. There was a time that he, we have a, had a gun that belonged to his grandpa. And there was a time when, before it was, it was detected as to exactly what it was, there was a time when I took the gun out of the house and gave it to my nephew, and he took it so it wasn't in the house. And I still have the bullets hidden. We never have had the gun brought back. We could now, but it wasn't safe. And the biggest thing about that was is it's just not like a pistol, the shotgun, double barrel. And I know what I can do. I've seen it. And it's not a pretty sight. It never got that far. It never got that far. You know, I I never wanted to take it that far. I, I've you know, they ask me places. Well, do you feel like hurting someone else? No. Do you feel like hurting yourself? No. Are you suicidal? No. I have been. My big out now, excuse me, is music. And it's something, of course, it's always been my out. You know, that's another place I can be and actually be me, the real me, not the one that a lot of people think they see. And I, I try to be now as genuine as I can because I feel better. Not that I don't have my times of depression, you can ask her, she'll tell you, or my times of mania, but it's becoming less and less with the mania. And most of the time with the mania, it's just, I can't stop. My brain doesn't stop, it's running 100 miles an hour. And the body can't stop. <laughs>
I have to be doing something. That doesn't come real often. That doesn't come real often. I do a lot more than she may think of. He, 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 when he gets a real manic now, he will go upstairs and play drums. And it won't be speed for a half hour. It'll be an hour, two hours. You know, and you'll, I'll notice that he's hitting a little harder, playing a little bit different music than what he might, just to keep, get himself going. You know, wipe out, something like that. <laughs> Takes well, a lot. I can wipe out. You know, when I'm done, I'm... Yeah. So, anything else help you through your difficult times? Support. Therapy. A lot of therapy. Uh, for quite a while in therapy, I journaled. And, you know, when it first started, I... I saw and heard things, and a lot of people thought, well, man, this guy's schizophrenic. No, it was part of the bipolar. And I mean, I could even draw pictures of what it was I saw, and they were like beings. I called them demons. I didn't know what else to call them. They even had names. But, uh, I haven't seen or heard anything like that in a lot of years. You know, it's... Maybe I've taken enough knocks to the head here recently. <laughs> it's knocked some of it out. But, you know, I, I feel better. And being able to come here and be accepted is one thing. That's a big thing. Um, you know, crowds don't bother me. You know, if I can play in front of 15,000 people, the crowd doesn't bother me. So, you know, I enjoy getting up there. Because not only do I enjoy doing it, but I enjoy what it gives to others. And I see it, I watch it. You know, I see people moving and swaying and clapping hands and all that kind of thing. It's like... Yeah, the old guy still got it. <laughs> Linda, would you like to share your stories and struggles you've been through? Depression is something that I've known and felt for a lot of years, starting as a child. Um, I didn't know back then that my family history has a predisposition for depression. Uh, it's not really an inherited thing, it's just that my dad was depressed. I didn't know it. My mother had bouts of it. Um, mine probably started as a child because of child abuse. I had lots of child abuse whenever I was a kid, clear up through my teenage years. And then I had domestic violence as an adult. So that tends to make you feel like you don't matter. You're not important. Um, my mother used to, and she did until the day she died, said I was her mistake. I was the firstborn. She got married because she was pregnant. She was 15 years old. And I was her mistake. And most of the time, 
I could handle it. When I was a kid, I didn't really comprehend all what, what it was. As an adult, most of the time I could handle it. But there were times when she would kind of take that thumb and just push it in. You know, I, I, you're my mistake, the boys were planned. Um, and we never really got along. I tried, but you can only try so much. So when you hear that all the time, it's hard to accept yourself. And then the different abuses I suffered. As a child, I had a couple stepfathers that abused me, as well as some others. And then when I was married the first time, Daniel abused me. I didn't think it was till we were married 15, 16 years. But looking back, it actually started the second year we were married. And we were married 17 and a half years. So, uh, and he did things like take, he would get a second vehicle, so we would have a, I would have a vehicle. But he would get something, the one gonna run very long and it would quit running and he wouldn't fix it. So he isolated me. One of the worst things you can have with depression is isolation. So I couldn't really go anywhere. And so I got to the point where I didn't really want to go anywhere. I took advantage of the isolation and, you know, more or less stayed by myself, didn't really... I had a couple people that I would talk to that were friends. Uh, otherwise, I didn't, I didn't go out and mix with people. Um, I finally, when I started getting some therapy, uh, and I was fortunate to get a Christian therapist. At first I didn't, but then I have a Christian therapist. And it makes a whole heck of a lot of difference when you go in there and you just don't know what to do. And you've got a therapist that will pray with you. Um, and I started journaling. I've journaled for 10 years now. So I have enough for a book. And I keep people keep telling me to go ahead and write this book. Well, I've got a few chapters. But um, I still deal with it. I take medication. I see a therapist fairly regularly whenever I can get into it. Um, I, uh, I still isolate to a point. I have illness now, and some of my illnesses I know were brought on because of depression. Um, you know, with depression you can eat too much, eat too little. Well, my thing is I eat too much and it's not healthy food, it's the comfort foods, you know, that are good, not good for you, but they taste so good, they make you feel so good. Um, I also did a lot of self-injuring, not that you can see most of it. I did it where you can see it. What I have on me, I have this, but this was done to me as a child, child abuse. And for a long time I always wore long sleeves. And then I realized I didn't do anything wrong. And I don't announce it to everybody, but if someone asks, I'm willing to admit that I didn't do it that, that it came from child abuse. A lot of people didn't see it for a long time because I have psoriasis and hey, psoriasis hides a lot of things when you need to. But I still deal with it, sometimes on a daily basis. There are times when Jim gets upset with me because I, one, I don't feel well. Part of it's the depression that starts working on physical things where my heart will act up, which causes an anxiety attack, which I hate, but I have. Panic attacks and anxiety attacks. Um, and I would just stay in bed upstairs all day. I go to the bathroom across the hall. I don't have to go downstairs because the stairs are treacherous for me and painful. If I go down, I have to go back up because the bed's upstairs. So I will stay upstairs. I have a TV, but I very seldom turn it on. Maybe in the evening. I sleep. I read. I journal. 
sometimes I have found that when I'm down and I need something to keep me physically, you know, my hands busy so that I don't go back into that old behavior of, of hurting myself or wanting to hurt myself or looking for something to hurt myself with. Um, I go into Psalms because you can always find something in the book of Psalms to help you when you're down. You know, something for comfort. And I'll read it, and I may read it from a couple of different versions of the Bible. And then I sit and put it in my own words. It may be prose, it may be poetry. But I have several, and I go back to those and look them up. And I do write poetry uh, when I'm depressed. My best poetry comes from being depressed, unfortunately. <laughs> um, some of it's really good, but, well, why aren't you writing anymore? Well, I'm not depressed enough. <laughs> but and my dad was depressed. My mother had depression. My dad would go into the hospital on the weekends. And we would go to, I'd go to my grams, and my brothers would go to my grandma and granddad, and he'd go in on Friday night and come out on Sunday because he couldn't sleep. And I didn't know what was going on until I was an adult. His come came from being in Korea. And he'd been there five days and got hit with mortar attack in the back in his neck. He wouldn't have had his helmet on, he would have died. But he was 20 years old over in Korea and got hit. And I think his depression just exacerbated from then. And he was able to talk about it, you know, later. For a long time, I don't want to talk about it either. You know, and people, I think, well, what's wrong with them? They're just being snooty or uh, antisocial. You hear all those kinds of things. And sometimes if you just dig a little deeper, if you really want to know what's going on with that person, or you really want to help that person, well, you know, you ask the right questions. Well, what's going on? How about if we go get a cup of coffee and we just sit and talk? Sometimes it's getting them out of even the sanctuary. You know, you, you get them out of there. And then you can find out what's really going on because depression is, like he said, depression can be hell because you don't want to ask for help. The best thing you can do is ask for help. No, because you feel weak if you ask for help. Yeah. Because you're looked at in such a way, like she said, you know, people look at you, well, you're being snooty or something. And it's not that at all. It's just you're in a box, so to, so to speak. And you can be in a room full of people and still be alive. Oh, yeah. I have that sometimes when I come here. You know, I don't get here regularly. A lot of it's my health. But even when I do come sometimes, I just feel like I'm alone and there's all these people around me and people don't see me. I don't want everybody to come and say, hi, and how are you doing? But, you know, I just, and it, it's probably more me than it is the people. But I just feel like, well, I feel like I want to find a hole, dig a hole, crawl in it, and pull the dirt around me. Uh, and just everybody, you know, kind of leave me alone. I've been there many times. And uh, you have to force yourself. I have learned some of the cooking, the writing, and sometimes I'd have to take that time to not necessarily get away, just take a deep breath and know that it's okay and it will pass, and I will sit and pray, you know, God, we've been through this before, uh, you're the only one that's going to get me through this, so I need your help now, what can you show me to do that's going to help me? And it may be writing. I color. It's not always those adult coloring books either. I color. And it's amazing some of the um, trainings that I have done where I was working as a social worker. I will start out with some of the, some parents and I'll bring coloring books and crayons and say, here, I want you to color. They all think I'm nuts. 
but coloring. You know, that continuous movement, picking out your own colors, a picture, it is relaxing. And I do, I have coloring books upstairs, downstairs, colored pencils upstairs, downstairs, so that I can, I can do that. Doing things like that is empowering to yourself. And sometimes it's the one thing you have to do with depression. Is you have to get past that woe is me and get to that point where you're actually doing something different. And, well, last Christmas she got me a Mandalorian. They're coloring sheets. <laughs> and, you know, if, I'm, if I really need to do something other than play, especially if it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. Neva to get upset. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can do things like that. Uh, if I'm by myself downstairs and I just want to release myself from the world, I'll pop in a movie. Because it's just like being at the theater. You know, the, the floor shakes and all that. It's like, this is cool. I can, then I relax. I find that when I've talked, it can be one person. And I can be my therapist. It can be you. Last night after you come to the house and visit, I, I feel better. Because at some point during that time, I probably said something that was bothering me or that I was stewing on, and it helps. Once you can start regularly admit your depression, not to the whole world like we're doing now on this camera, but one person, and that person understands, and they will accept you, and the good and the bad and the crying and the screaming and yelling and I hate you or I'm not talking to you, all the drama, you get one person. And then you can get two people. And as long as you realize that you've got people out there, and you can always go back to them, one, one or the other of somebody, that helps you continue to accept that depression is just something you have. Depression is a physiological disorder in the brain that can exacerbate itself physically in all kinds of things. You know, heart attacks and strokes and eating disorders and, you know, you go on and on. But you feel like you're empowered when you can share it with someone and let them know that I have it. And they may say, oh, well, I've had that back at this time when I was like this, you know. So it is empowering. It can be horrible, but it can be empowering too. And I've found too, not so much for myself, but for my dear wife here, that things that have happened in the past, not so much happened, but have been said in the past, some people have taken it as gospel. And there's that underlying treatment. They may not even be fully aware of it, but there's that underlying treatment of, well, yeah, I was told this by, and it must be so. That becomes depressing. That actually, you know, not being able to be included. Now I'm not talking like a little clique, but you know, in a general population like here at the church, you know, to have people think, well, you know, this one said that, and this one said that, and well, it has to be true. It doesn't have to be true. You know, this thing right here, this wheelchair. I wish you didn't have to have it. 
number one, it's a pain in the neck to load and unload. But number two, there are a lot of things that we can't do. We can't go take a walk and hold hands and all that kind of thing. There was a while that we could. And I miss that kind of stuff. We could if I had my electric chair back to running. I mean, it's running. I just don't know where to haul it. No, no ramp or... No, no, no vehicle to put That's true. I, I have to agree with what he says. People have said things in the past. And all it takes is one person to spread that and somebody else to spread it. And you can have a dozen people that have heard it in some form. And yeah, it must be true because I heard it from different people. And it's terrible to say, but my mother did some of that as a member of the church here. Uh, there were times whenever she, she was not a nice person sometimes. I mean, she would scream and yell at my aunt, who was her sister, at a Deborah Struggle meeting at her house. So um, there were things that she would say, and then, you know, that definitely weren't true, but people begin to believe them. You know, and there's no sense in arguing and saying that's not true. It doesn't matter what she said. You know, it was about me. It was something I supposedly did or didn't do. No. You just have to let it go. Or try to. Yeah. And especially when some people took it as gospel because, you know, like so many things, you hear it so many times, you believe it. He brought up a good point. This chair and being not disabled, otherwise able. I just do things differently. I can do a lot of what other people do. I just do it, you know, different. I can move furniture. I just put my legs up or take my chair and push, you know. But uh, it's it can cause you to be really down. You see other people out running, playing baseball, or I used to love to play basketball or um, badminton. It's so hard to do that nowadays. You know, so there's times whenever that can just cause it. Or people that say, well, there's no reason for her to be in that chair. Well, yeah, there were times when I could walk. I can barely walk now. I would use my walker, and I still do at home sometimes. But there's times that I can hardly take one step. And it's like, why would I want to be in this chair? And, and it's like, and you can go on and on and be depressed about it. Or you can say, okay, it's their problem. It's not my problem. They've got to come to the realization or else you're going to be so deep in depression and you're going to think, woe is me. I'm just going to sit in my chair at home in my little corner and ignore everybody. You can't do it. Yeah, you cannot become a hermit if you have depression. You want to, but you can't. Because the first time you do that, that's when you're giving into it and it's going to win. And either you're going to be so depressed for so long that you just don't care. Or you're going to wind up a statistic that they bury. Thank you for sharing your story. I, I am Jim, and I do feel like an overcomer. Okay. Because I've, I can't say I've 100% beaten it because I never will. The day I beat it is the day I'm planted in the ground. That's going to be the day I beat it. I'm Linda, and I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor of depression and abuse, and, and I'm trying. I'm learning to be more than a survivor. Because you can be a survivor, but I'm learning to be more than a survivor. And that may be when I become an overcomer. I don't think I'm quite there yet, but I am a survivor now. I'm not a victim. Um, 
And that's a, that's a lot. That's a big step. Not a big step. It's a lot of baby steps. So at some point, I'll probably very easily be able to say, I'm an overcomer. But for now, I'm a survivor and working on it. It's a day-by-day -day situation. Thank you, Jim and Linda, for sharing your life with us. I just want to give you one last thought uh, as we wrap up here. If you have your bulletin notes, we know that depression can be so debilitating. But we can still have hope and we can still have joy no matter what. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what circumstances you deal with. And like we talked about last week, I know it's hard when those feelings in your, in your life, they, they seem to take over. and we, The feelings can obscure the facts. The facts about who you are, the facts about your identity, facts about who God is, about how you are loved, facts about how, facts about everything in your life can get obscured by feelings. And uh, we need to remind ourselves of the truth. So if you want to, you don't have to, I'm not going to throw anything at you, but if you want to close your eyes, and I'm just going to read some scripture. And maybe this is what you need today. To just hear the truth of God's word to combat those feelings uh, of depression or whatever mental health issues you've been having lately. John 16. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Matthew 11. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Romans 8. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 1. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. 2 Corinthians 7. God encourages those who are discouraged. Philippians 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. And Psalm 143. I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as the parched land thirsts for rain. Last one, Psalm 42. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why, so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. I just want to say, please don't let depression steal your joy. Don't let it destroy your peace. Two-thirds of depression and other mental health issues go untreated. People don't go and get help. And if you need help or you know somebody who needs help, please go and get that help. Like Linda said, from a, a Christian counselor would be great or a doctor or um, 
just mental health professionals. There are many out there. We're going to sing our last song. And no matter what you're going through, uh, hold on to that truth. Never forget that God and Jesus will never leave you. They will never forsake you no matter how you feel, no matter what you're experiencing in your life. And that your church family, we do care about you. But we don't know what you're going through unless you tell somebody. So if you're going through a hard time, like Linda said, take them out for coffee. Um, uh, Share your struggle with a trusted person, with somebody who can help carry that burden. If you don't tell anybody what you're going through, the depression, the isolation, the loneliness, anxiety can just get worse and worse and worse and worse. So please talk to somebody today in the midst of your darkness and fight for joy. Fight for joy no matter the circumstances, no matter the happenings in the world or the COVID variants or whatever else is going to come. There will always be sickness and disease and death and struggles until the day the Lord Jesus comes back. But you don't have to do it alone. You are not alone if you choose not to be alone. And I know that can be really, really hard. Really, really hard to tell somebody. But like Linda said, we can take those baby steps and reveal a little bit maybe, reveal a little bit more, reveal a little bit more so others can bear your burdens, lift you up, so they can comfort you in ways that they can be... They have been comforted. And if you're not going through a dark night of the soul right now, I recommend everybody make a call this week. Text somebody. Check in on them. This year and a half has been really, really, really dark for a lot of people. Maybe just make a list. Go down your list. All, all, the, all your friends, all your family, all the church people. Um, I got phone numbers if you need phone numbers or email addresses. And... Just tell people you love them, that you care about them, that you're there for them. You don't have to say, hey, are you depressed right now? Tell me everything about your depression. I want to know everything. Don't say that. You don't have to go that far. But just see if they open up and you can comfort them with the comfort that you have received. So let's all stand together and praise the God of hope and joy, even in a sin-sick, fallen world.
with me. Lord God, oh, what a Savior you truly are. I praise you. I thank you that no matter what struggle we're going through, no matter what issues, ailments, frustrations we are dealing with, that you are above all that. That your kingdom to come will not have any of that. Praise God. I praise you that you are good even when our life is bad. Even when the world is covered with destruction and disease, you have made a way for us to enter your kingdom where there will be no more sickness or sorrow or pain or tears or anxiety or loneliness or depression or death. Come, Lord Jesus. We love you, God. Help us this week to be filled with your power and your strength no matter what we're going through. Help us to represent you well, to trust in the truth from your word and to share that truth with others so they too can be encouraged and comforted and saved. We love you, God, and thank you most of all for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.